The first reading is uh, from the first chapter of St. Paul's um, letter to the Colossians at uh, Colossae, starting at uh, verse 9. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Thanks be to God for this reading. The second lesson is taken from Luke, chapter 23, and reading verses 33 to 43. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he he is God's Messiah, the Chosen One. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there, hurled insults at him, 
Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. We are justly punished, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Amen. A meditation based on that reading. I can hardly bring myself to speak of it, even now, years later. The anger, the, the hatred, the sheer vitriol in the air, it was, is, more than I can bear. It was so tangible, you could almost reach out and touch it. I still find it hard to believe that humans can do such things to each other, can say such things, can collapse to such depths, even under the sway of the crowd when everybody around you is doing or saying the same things. How? I'm sorry, I I just find it hard to understand. As I think back now, there were three groups, the the rulers, the soldiers, and then there was even one of the criminals hurling uh, insults. Why add to the misery? Why deliberately make the last few moments of a man's life even worse? I mean, they had done pretty much everything that they could do. He was crucified as a criminal. I think people forget that. Killed as a lawbreaker, beaten, tortured, whipped, great welts on his back where the whip had done its worst. And crucifixion. I cannot think of a worse way to die. The pain that stretches out potentially for hours, the death that lingers and will not come. The irony is, of course, that in those last moments of his life, those groups named him. They gave him his title, even if they didn't mean it, even if they meant it as a joke, a slur. If he is God's chosen one, the Messiah, said the rulers. If you are the king of the Jews, said the soldiers. Aren't you the Messiah, cried the criminal hanging there on the cross. They couldn't help it, don't you see? They couldn't help in those last few moments giving him the title that they had so long denied him. God's chosen one, King of the Jews, Messiah. They could not understand what kind of kingship it is that allows such suffering. They could not understand what was happening right in front of them, but they they named it because they couldn't help but name it. It does still leave the question hanging there, though. Unanswered except in nailed hands and a crown of thorns thrust deep down. What kind of king is this? What kind of power and authority does this king have? 
What kind of king allows this to happen? It tears up the rule books. Jesus was quite good at doing that. Turns things upside down. He's quite good at doing that too. Redefines everything. Everything. This king who lifted children, blessed sinners, taught love, changed lives, touched lepers, embraced the outcast. A king indeed. What a week it has been. In fact, what a fortnight. If Janice and I both have a few more white-stroke grey hairs, I'm the one who gets the white ones, she gets the grey ones, uh, a few more grey-white hairs on our heads, and we had a couple of weeks ago, there are several very good reasons for that. But enough, I am looking forward. I'm looking forward to next Saturday, because I have got two tickets to go to the cathedral for the installation of the Right Reverend Rose Hudson Wilkin, as Bishop of Dover and Bishop in Canterbury. The first black female bishop in the Church of England in this country. And that's actually really rather important because it's about the models of leadership that the church holds up to, to society. And that's important Because in general, as a society, we are very confused. Uh, You don't need me to tell you that, really. We are very confused as a society. We do not know, in my judgment, what we want from our leaders. We don't know what we're looking for. On one hand, there are people who beg for strong leadership. But as soon as that leadership does something that they don't like, then they turn around and accuse them of failing to listen to the people. The newspapers that we read are all about having to sell copies, which is becoming more and more difficult in an age that is moving away from newspapers. So the newspapers become more and more about scandal and titillation and entertainment because they are desperate to sell copies, and that's what looks like it sells copies. The only problem is, of course, with that, is that once you have made leadership about entertainment, you can hardly be surprised when our leaders start to be drawn from a group of people who can entertain us. Don't need to look very far to see examples of that in the world in which we live. Or we set up heroes, sport people, actors, models, celebrities, YouTube stars. You know, when we were looking around for somebody to open the Great Hall, I uh, sat down with a Year 7 class, and I reeled off some names that I thought they might know. So I said, oh, what about Benedict Cumberbatch? And they went, who? Who? And I said, he plays Doctor Strange in Marvel movies. And they said, oh, oh, okay. And then I said, well, who, who, you know, whose names do you know? And they reeled off, seven or eight names. And I said, who are they? And they said, oh, they've got nine million followers on YouTube. 
and I began to realize exactly how far away I have gone from uh, youth culture. We envy, we envy the, the wealth and the opportunity of celebrities and models and actors and sports people. We envy their wealth and their opportunity, but we only seem to be able to, to tolerate their success for so long. And then we start to long for them to fail. Their privilege, instead of becoming an inspiration to us, becomes a challenge and makes our situation seem worse by comparison so that we can't wait to discover that our heroes are secretly deeply miserable and broken people. And we go, yes, I knew that was going to be the case. In other words, we are fickle. We are fickle and we are difficult to lead and inspire because by and large, we don't have any understanding of our own deepest needs and desires. All we know is whatever those needs and desires are, they are not being met. I read something just recently about the leaders' debate, the question time thing on BBC this week. And they said the winners were the audience. We don't know what we want. And we come to this gospel lesson on this last Sunday of the church year, and we come to this last reading from Luke's gospel, which we have been hand in hand with all year. And Luke gives us a picture It's a picture of the leader of all leaders, our rescuer, as the reading from from Colossians puts it. And the picture is of a man, a criminal, in fact, hanging on a cross. So here it is, a picture of Jesus hanging helplessly in pain and near death, yet still the king, opening the gates of heaven to the bewildered, misled, barely human rabble around him. The soldiers, the religious leaders, even one of the criminals hanging beside him, they all use his title, almost as if they cannot help but acknowledge him, even as they pour scorn upon his head. As he hangs there, he asks for forgiveness for the crowd and he leads the thief into the kingdom. What strange leadership is this? What kind of a king? Colossians says, he is the one whom all thrones, dominions, rulers and powers acknowledge as Lord. But this is a strange kind of leadership. It's an extraordinary kind of authority. What kind of king is this? A king who embraces lepers and Samaritans and tax collectors, who heals the sick, gives sight to the blind, listens to women, gives them important roles. This is a king who is going to suffer and die. A king whose followers can constantly misunderstand him because they are looking for some other kind of leadership. The strong-armed kind 
who will ride into the situation, take control, give them what they want. They cannot see the servant who stands before them. Except that some people do. There is the thief. There is the thief hanging on a cross beside him. A thief who sees, who recognizes in an extraordinary way God in the body of the criminal hanging next to him. We need to learn to do the same. We need to learn to recognize the character of God's reign and to long for it. To look for the likeness of Jesus day by day until we can recognize it, love it, and follow it. During the half-term holiday, uh, Janet went to Ghana, because Janet's always going to Africa, uh, and uh, she left me to potter around for the week. And when Janet tends to go away to places like that, I tend to look at what musicals are on in London, because I know that Janet is not a fan of uh, broad of London West End musicals. So I looked and I booked a ticket for Come From Away. I don't know whether any of you have heard the story of Come From Away. It's only got a cast of 12 people, but it's extraordinary. You have to go back to September the 11th, 2001, when the planes hit the World Trade Center towers and everything became chaotic. And if you can imagine it, there were hundreds, literally hundreds of planes at that moment in the air flying towards the United States. And the United States, and I don't know how they do this, but clearly some air air authority of some sort, Federation, Federal Air Authority, shut down all airspace in the United States and said no plane is going to come into U.S. airspace. So these hundreds of planes in the air on their way to America and suddenly we're told they couldn't land in the United States. And that's where the story picks up. And it takes place in the town of Gander, Newfoundland. Um, If you can imagine Gander and Newfoundland, it's right on the very eastern tip. There's an island off Canada, which only became part of Canada in 1949. There's an island off the coast of Canada, Newfoundland, It's got its own time zone. (laughs) It's 30 minutes ahead of Canada in the United States, uh, even ahead of Atlantic Standard Time, 30 minutes ahead. And they've got an airport. They've got an airport because in the days, uh, the early days of air travel, turboprop aircraft used to have to land at Gander to refuel before they hopped across the Atlantic and then perhaps refueled in Ireland or something again. But Gander had an airport, a town of 10,000 people, and they were radioed. And they were told, you've got some planes coming to land in Gander. There are six flights that go from Gander every week. And somebody phoned them up, I guess it was, and they said, you've got 39 jet aircraft about to land on your airport with 6,500 people on board. And the town of Gander, Newfoundland, rose to the challenge. They rose to the challenge in the most incredible and magnificent way. There were lots of Christians in the town. Every church in the town was opened up. Every school room, every piece of public space they had. They didn't have many hotels in Gander for some unknown reason. Every public space was opened up. 
And those passengers from the planes who had spent 24 hours on the tarmac in Gander, not knowing what was happening, not knowing, because it was the early days of mobile phones, when I told the pupils at school this story, they couldn't believe it really. I said they had no idea of what had happened. They come off the planes and they are given the warmest of welcomes, the quirkiest of welcomes actually, by the people of Newfoundland who took them to their hearts for that five-day period and cared for this international group of people, including Muslims and Jews and Christians, including 13 animals that were on board the planes. Uh, the person who leads Gander's uh, animal refuge said, I know they're going to be uh, animals on those planes. And indeed, they were largely dogs and cats, but there were two bonobo monkeys on their way to a zoo in Ohio, and the female bonobo monkey was heavily pregnant. They got those monkeys off the plane and they cared for them. One of the flights was the Virgin, flight, Virgin Atlantic flight from Manchester to Orlando. It had seven Make-A-Wish children, uh, foundation children on board going to have their birthdays in Walt Disney World. The daughter of the mayor of uh, Gander. The, the mayor of Gander, Newfoundland, goes by the unlikely but brilliant name of Oswald Fudge. And his daughter, 16 year old Lisa, when she found out that there were children on board those planes, she set up a birthday party clowns, balloons, everything for those children on the plane. Ten years after the event, hundreds of those people from the planes and lots and lots of the air crew made their way back to Gander to say thank you to the people there for being for just for them in a moment of deep distress and terrible trial for being them, for them a sense that humanity was capable of something better. Uh, two of the people on the flights have actually got there from completely different places, I mean completely different countries actually, have since uh, fallen in love and got married. Um, people from Gander, every time a new production of Come From Away opens, people from Gander travel to it all around the world and sit there and cry as their story is told once again, then turn around to other members of the audience and say, that's us, that's us on stage. To look for the likeness of Jesus is such an important thing to do for us to try and work out where it is that this kingship, this leadership of Jesus is leading us. And the way we can do that is look for signs of the face of Jesus in the people that we meet, in the communities that we serve, in the charities that come knocking on our door and saying, could we help? That's where we will find it. This king who hangs on a cross this king who we can see today, whose kingdom is here, present now. This king who we say we follow, we need to look for that king in the faces of the people that we meet, in the situations that we come across, in the words that we hear. We need to search for that king and follow him wherever we find him. In Jesus' name. Amen.